Welcome to this special podcast of Pop Goes the Culture, and I'm really glad to welcome Lilia Luciano. She is an investigative reporter with Channel 10 ABC News here in Sacramento and is also a documentary director. So, Lilia, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you so much, Curtis. It's great to join you and talk to you again. Some of the background is that Lily and I got a chance to work and I collaborated with her some on some pieces that she did a little while back when the executive orders were coming out uh, for the refugee resettlement program that were dramatically impacting the refugee resettlement program. Of course, at that time, I was the field office director at the Sacramento Field Office of World Relief and really came to admire her work, uh, her energy and her skill and her perspective. And so I thought as we were gonna dive into this question that I'd like to ask tonight, which is, is the news media a performing art? But I thought what better voice to have than somebody who's in the profession, who I admire and respect, and to hear her thoughts on this question and others that are related to it. So. Lily, why don't you, you start off and just share maybe your first impressions or first thoughts to that question, is the news media a performing art? You know, Kurt, I had never been asked that. I don't think I had ever, ever even thought of that or pondered on that. So thank you for, I guess, expanding my perspective or my perception of what it is that I do. The more I think about it, I think storytelling is an art. I think we are, we find ourselves as journalists, especially as uh, multimedia journalists uh, working on video, working uh, with audio, at a time where we are constantly competing with information. And what I, as a journalist and, and as a documentary filmmaker, can offer is the experience. I've heard that film directors and producers and people in Hollywood say that they're not in the business of entertaining, they're in the business of transportation. And I think that is filling into journalism more and more. We compete with so many platforms. We compete with Twitter. So right now, uh, our human limitations or human capacities limit us in terms of, of where we are and how we're gathering news because things are happening way too fast. They're happening from the first-person perspective, from people who, who are living through those events and communicating them through Twitter. Uh, or from directly from the mouths of, of influencers and world leaders. And so for us, there has been a transformation. When I studied journalism, um, I thought it was all about the information. Um, I studied broadcast journalism, where you learn to do a package and you just deliver the most essential information that people need within 145, you know, minute 45 package with three kinds of shots. You, you get a close-up, a middle, and a wide shot. And that's as far as it goes. And through my evolution in this medium, uh, especially because I started in entertainment, I picked up tendencies and ideas and styles and, and all kinds of influences from movies, from radio, you know, the innovative alternative kind of radio. I picked up ideas from magazines, but especially I would say from entertainment, television, from documentaries, and from, and from films, even fiction. That's not to say that the information that we're putting out there, that I am putting out there, is in any way flexible. But the style and the way in which I present the information has to be creative. And so whenever you walk into a field where you have to use creativity, I immediately think of art. So yes, I 
certainly think that at least in the way that we're doing things here at ABC 10, which is what I was hired to do, is is a documentary style format that keeps people engaged, that brings them closer, that innovates, that thinks of ways that people can get not only visually closer, but emotionally closer to stories and to other human beings. So yeah, it's 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 a kind of art. Yeah, that's it's interesting. The, fact, the facts are not. The facts are definitely not. <laughs> that you can't get creative with. Yeah, I think that's that's what's uh, yeah interesting about it. And and um, is is some people might immediately assume that if we're saying that news media is a performing art, they immediately assume fiction with that. And yet I know this is a very different field, but I mean, my training and my background is in homiletics and in preaching and public speaking. You try to employ in those contexts the same kinds of techniques that hopefully will maintain uh, people's attention. I think technology, social media, the exponential nature of of access to information in the past decades is obviously a blessing and a curse. And, you know, we can talk for hours, days, years about the pros and cons, but I, I think it certainly pressures us in this industry to get creative. You know, in the past, it was all about go leave the newsroom, drive as fast as you can, uh, grab that soundbite, bring it into a computer or a linear editing device, feed it, to a satellite signal, and then people will get access to it. We certainly live in a very different world. And, you know, I think people who are in my field who are still kind of frustrated about innovation and, you know, and I I have these conversations almost daily and refuse to consider the creative parts of presenting information and of storytelling and the need for innovation. And the people who resist that and the people who think that there's something wrong with it are at a disadvantage. I was just wondering, in the process of telling a story and doing that creatively, uh, you, you can't augment the facts in order to tell a more compelling or creative story. And I'm just wondering, do you feel like that's an issue within news media, particularly in the U.S. context? Or do you feel like, for the most part, that's not as much of an issue it has to do more with people's misunderstanding of the medium itself and how how you need to tell the story creatively. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So I think, if anything, we are more truthful and transparent now. Because when I grew up watching TV, you had one journalist in control of everything or, you know, a channel or a station or newspaper. And there's some kind of competition, but the level of access that people have now certainly force us or pressure us or or create an expectation for us to be very transparent. And let's take storytelling as I do it as an example. So in the past, I had to change my voice and have this radio or television personality voice that I, I don't know, that people thought was more credible. I had to wear certain outfits. I had to wear makeup. I had to edit out the extra remarks. I had to manicure and polish information. I had to hide cameras and microphones. Right now, because people can do what I do from their phones, mm-hmm. and they know how to create the content that I create, they can do it on their, on their own too. What I like to tell people is, I just get to do this for a living and bring you into my journey. But I am more transparent than I was perhaps when I started working in news because it was so much more controlled. 
Mm-hmm. You know, now I get to be myself, and there's an expectation of that, and people already get to know you through social media. So it kind of feels ridiculous to put on the mask and now act newsy or only provide one perspective. Now you do a story, and that story is followed with an article, and then you promote it on social media, and then you create a conversation, and then you use ideas that you got there to do a follow-up story. So if anything, I think we are way more transparent. Every day there is a story out there that in, in a variety of outlets that would have taken the few outlets that were available in the past or that were in this business in the past a really long time to publish. Mm. I haven't done this exercise, but I imagine that when you compare the amount of information that was coming out during Watergate, for instance, versus the amount of information that's coming out from the Russia investigation, I mean, we have so much. It's coming from everywhere. There's literally thousands of journalists all pulling at different strings. And when you mess up, and I have had this experience of a journalist that was caught, <laughs> was because people had access to the information from not just other platforms like the one where I was working, but direct access because the tapes were online. And you can't say this enough, it was not on purpose. The producers and the editors and the people who were involved in the mistake and the local reporters, they weren't trying to manipulate it. It was an honest mistake. It was just an oversight issue. And those things happen all the time. But now we are held to account because the audience has access to that information. Now, that's not to say that we are fair and balanced, that we are more unbiased. I think now we as journalists also afford ourselves a lot more of our own experiences, perspectives, background, opinions into the stories we tell, precisely because there's so many people competing and so many other voices. So, you know, there's pros and cons. There is the problem of living in a bubble and the isolation that the networks and the social media networks create where people's ideas are just replicated by the people they have around. So they end up seeing an entirely different reality than other people who believe otherwise. If you wake up and you listen to Democracy Now! and then turn on MSNBC and go to bed with Rachel Maddow, you're going to have a very different experience than if you wake up and you listen to Alex Jones and you watch Fox News all day. Both people are going to trust and think and feel that I have the truth. There's certainly a problem with the diversity of outlets and not just not just because of technology. I think this started with the 1996 Telecommunications Act And even before that, I think it was in the 80s where they wrote the the Fairness Doctrine, that completely changed the nature of news. But the access to more news kind of gives journalism and gives TV and the business of of media a cushion (laughs) to allow themselves more of their own experience in the way that they tell the story. So, you know, is it good, is it bad? I don't know. Um, I still work within a local station. I don't work in you know, a news magazine or a blog or a cable show. If I did, I'm sure the standards are different. For us, we uphold the same standards as we used to in the past. It's unbiased. It's okay to have a voice, but you have to be fair. You have to talk to everybody. And that's intrinsic in who we are as journalists. But there's cable networks that perhaps don't have that requirement as the broadcast stations do, you know? Mm, Interesting, yeah. Well, I think that one thing that I, I hope that this conversation does for individuals uh, who will eventually listen to it is both realize the sense of how nuanced this conversation can be 
and hopefully have a little bit more empathy uh, for those who are engaged in right. news media and journalism and that this leads to the kind of conversation that moves us away from the more knee-jerk, black-and-white conversation around uh, journalism, around news media, and public discourse as a whole uh, moving forward. So, Yeah, I think people have to question. I think we are wealthier because we have access to more information and more platforms, we as individuals. But I think we also have a responsibility to question the voices that are talking to us. And to have, you know, a healthy diet of different voices, different, I wouldn't say the extremes, you know, the extremes I don't think are ever good, but a variety of directions, you know, a little yeah. bit of the right, a little bit of the left, a little bit of the independence and question and have, you know, more critical thinking. Yeah. I don't think that as a society we have enough of that. And I think that a lot of the voices or the, the influencers and the leaders who are benefiting from our lack of wisdom and appreciation for facts perhaps have been shaping uh, this country in that way, you know, yeah. where people just listen to something and have no critical thinking sometimes and just go with it and just repeat it as opposed to, wait a minute, where does that information come from? Where does the data come from? Um, I think we trust too much. Mm -hmm. And if we had had a kind of education that was perhaps better funded, <laughs> teachers are prioritized and, and we learn to develop a, a passion for learning and, and children are incentivized to be curious, you know, we, we might be living in a very different country where the shows and the, and the outlets that are not truthful would be yeah. dismissed. We all need to be journalists. So I thank you again for giving us some time here tonight. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. And remember that you can check out more of my takes on faith, social justice, and popular culture, along with other life-inspiring musings, by visiting www.curtelewis.com. If you enjoyed and benefited from this and other publications featured on my website, would you take a few minutes to show your support? First, you can share it with your friends via social media, text message, email, word of mouth, pigeon bird, cave art, whichever you prefer. Second, if you're listening on iTunes, take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast and to give it a positive review. Lastly, you can help me to continue to produce these podcasts by making monthly or one-time financial contributions. Click on subscribe support on the website to learn more. Again, thanks so much for listening.